This morning, we are going to continue in a series called First John, Live Like Jesus. If you have your Bibles this morning or your device or some way to look at Scripture, please turn in your Bible to First John chapter number 2nd. First John chapter 2. And in this series, it is really just what it says up there, live like Jesus. What John is trying to get us to do is to look at the life of Jesus when he walked the earth and to then duplicate that, to live like him. Because, you see, Jesus was given to us not only to die on the cross, although that was his main uh, function and main point for being here to redeem us, but the other part of his life was to give us an example. Uh, the King James Version says he was an ensample. His life was an ensample to us and in Second in Peter. And what that means is his life was really a sample for us to look at and say, I can sample what Jesus did and how he walked, and I can live that way. And the reason why it was a sample was because Jesus told his disciples, you remember, that listen, when I leave, you will do greater things than even I did. And so what he did was only a sample for us. Live like Jesus. And what I want to talk a little bit about this morning, today's message is empowered to overcome, but I want to begin by sharing some things about how we look at that and we say, okay, Jesus left us an example. And what we do, whether we want to or not, is we take pieces and parts of his life and we try to do that. But other pieces and parts of his life, we use excuses. We say, well, he was Jesus after all. I mean, I can't live exactly that way. I mean, I can try, uh, you know, the best that I can, and I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, and, you know, I'm not going to do everything that he did. But Jesus didn't say, you're going to live like I lived. He said, you're going to do greater things. Come on, somebody. You're going to do greater things than even I do. But what we do is we have a way in our mind that we think things should go. And how we should conduct our lives based on experience, based on our own opinion, based on maybe what we were taught by our mother and father, those type of things. And uh, we sort of follow that way. And what happens is we mix in a little bit of Jesus and, and truth and scripture, but then we mix in a lot of our own way with that same thing. And this is what John speaks to here in this uh, epistle of 1 John, of us mixing the world with truth. And I want to tell you something this morning. When you have a little bit of truth and you have a little bit of a lie and you mix them together, you know what you have is a lie. It's really what you end up with. A little yeast does. <laughs> Come on. One bad apple does. <laughs> Spoil the whole bunch. Come on. Despite what the Osmond said, they had a song. You guys, you guys don't remember that song. One bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch. Remember that? <laughs> but despite that, it does when it's, when, it's, when it's mixed in. And John began to see. You see, John was at a point in his life where he was an older man. 
He was somewhere around the age of 90, maybe 95. And in fact, Paul had been dead maybe 20 years by now. And so John had seen a lot of things. He walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, touched him, hugged him, you know, got mad at him. Come on. Was rebuked by him, the whole thing. He grew up with Jesus. And he grew up with Peter and, and John and James, his brother, and all of these others. And, and he had been through a lot of things. Many theologians believed he was boiled in oil, but he was not killed. And see, so he had been through torture for the gospel of Christ. He had been banished to the island of Patmos. All right, he had been through all of it, and he's seen it all. And now he comes to a point in his life where he begins to look around and he begins to observe and he sees everything that he and the other apostles and disciples went through. Now he sees the world beginning to creep in and begin to mix with all of this truth. And so he feels, you know what, I need to give a warning here. Because guess what, I'm old and I've seen it. And he can tell you in the world, whatever you're selling, I've already got two of them. You know, I've been there. He said earlier, I forgot more stuff than most will ever know, John could say. See, he knows some things and he has some wisdom to share. And there is a way that God set up for us to be successful in life. Living like Jesus and following Jesus. And how many know that the ways that God has and the ways that he sets up are so far from what we would think and how we would think things should go that it's unbelievable to us and it's so unbelievable to us that we find it difficult to follow. Doesn't seem like it on the surface, but if we look at the fruit, come on, it's difficult for us to follow in our flesh. But there is a way that he has set up for us to follow. And John is laying it out here in 1 John. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Let's just read through a passage of scripture beginning at verse number 13. And this, this way is a lot different than what we would think. John says this. He says, I am writing to you, fathers. Why? Because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Verse 14, I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. He's trying to get us to see a way here that we can live the abundant life that we can live an overcoming life, that we can be that head and not the tail, that we can be above and never again beneath. But it's not the way that we would think. So we would think we would take our money and invest it, you know, like the world says, or we need to be real savvy in business, and some of those things are correct. But I want you to follow along here and see the way that John gives us to be successful. You see, what happens is we look at others and we, we, we see what we think is success because we say, oh man, I look over there and I see that brother and he's got, uh, he and his wife, they have that nice house in their family. Uh, I mean, it's just a huge house. 
And uh, man, they are successful. And I see that he's got that car and uh, it's really nice car. And man, I've been working all these years and it just seems like I can't be successful like that. And how is it that they are so successful? But when you really look at it, the note on the house is probably enough to choke a horse. And the car note, they can't even put gas in the car because they couldn't make the car payment. And all of the furniture is rented in the house. You see what I'm saying? I call this a form of godliness. But without the power thereof. Because it's supposed to depict prosperity, but it's, it's prosperity the world's way. See, there is prosperity. That's what you, there is prosperity. There is overcoming. There is an abundant life that God created you for. He didn't create you to struggle your whole life. He didn't create you to be sick your whole life. He didn't create you for all of these things. He created you to overcome. But when you do it the world's way, oh, it's a form of godliness. All right, denying the power thereof. Look at a couple of other scriptures with me. I don't have them up here for you, so you'll have to follow along. Turn there if you can. Turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 3. There is a way that God has laid out for us. Hebrews chapter 3. Just go back a couple of books. God has given us a way. He's given us a format. And he's telling us if we would just follow that. (laughs) Come on. Chapter 3, looking at... Well, verse 7. says, Therefore... As the Holy Spirit says today, I'm not talking tomorrow, I'm not talking next week. He's speaking to you today. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He didn't say you were rebellious, but he said, don't harden your heart because you'll be like those who are rebellious. You're doing the same thing. Don't harden your heart as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, as they did, where your fathers put me to the test. He says, I, and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. They have not known my ways. Look at a couple of other scriptures. Turn over to James. James chapter 1. James never holds any punches. Come on. He never pulls punches. He doesn't hold back. He'll tell you like it is, just like John. (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 5. says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. Everyone is able to receive the wisdom that you need to be successful. Who gives generously to all without reproach. In other words, he's not sorry that he gave it to you. He doesn't beat you over the head before he gives it to you. But it says, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, but it's not supposed that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, 
unstable in all of his ways. In all of his own ways. God is trying to tell us a way here. And I'm going to get to it. Let's look at another scripture. First Peter. Not too far from where you are. First Peter chapter 1. If John doesn't hold any punches and James won't hold back, I'm going to tell you Peter will give it to you straight. Peter says it like this in chapter 1, verse 17. It says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, listen now, inherited from your forefathers. Knowing that you were redeemed from the feudal ways. Why are we still doing some of the same things? Just because we were taught them, just because people have done it over and over and over and over again. One more. Let's go to the Old Testament. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. Most of you will know this scripture, but you may not have known where it was. We quote it all the time. Isaiah 55. And I'm going to start at verse 6. It says this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Stop Wasting time. Call upon him while he is near. To me, that indicates that he won't always be near. Come on. Let the wicked forsake his way, his own way, and the unrighteous man from his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, that God may have compassion on that one that returns. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Why? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Listen to me now. God has a way. He has laid out a path for us. I'm going to tell a story in just a little bit that's going to, it's going to be a little uneasy. And I really contemplated on whether to share this story or not, but I decided to go uh, ahead and do it because I feel like sometimes we need a little uneasiness. Come on, to wake us up. God has laid out a way for us to go. And if we don't follow that way, we're like a hamster in a wheel. Come on. I remember hearing a story about two men who they lived on one side of a lake and they worked on the other side of the lake. And when they got off work, what they'd do is they would go to a tavern, all right, after hours and, you know, kind of get sauced a little bit. And uh, then after that, they get in the boat and row back across home and go home. Well, this one night, these men 
had a hard day of work, worked real hard. And so they said, listen, it's Friday night. Uh, we're really going to, you know, do it up tonight. So they got a little extra sauce that night. And uh, finally they said, you know what? We've closed the place down. I think it's time to go home. So they went out, got in their boat, you know, started rowing. And they looked over at the light on the other side and they saw it and they were rowing toward it. And they thought, boy, it's, you know, it seems like we're not getting anywhere. That light seems to be as far as it was. And the other guy said, well, you're just drunk. You know, you just, just keep rowing, you know, we'll get there. So they rowed for a little while longer and it seemed like they should have been there by now, but they weren't. You know, they thought, well, where am I? Am I we, are we in the middle of the lake? What are we doing? They just kept rowing and rowing. And finally, they just were wore out. So they said, look, it's Friday night. Well, Saturday morning by now. So let's just fall asleep here in the old uh, rowboat. And then when we get up in the morning, we'll finish, you know, and go home. So they fell asleep. That's exactly what they did. Fell asleep. Got up the next morning, looked around. And uh, they looked and found that they were still tied to the dock on the other side. <laughs> Rowing just as hard as they could row, not going anywhere. I have a question for you this morning. Are you a, are you a stallion on the path to your destiny? Come on, at a steady pace? Or are you a hamster in a wheel, running as fast as you can, not going anywhere? Are you a couple of drunk guys in a rowboat on the same side? And can't go anywhere. Well, God has laid it out for us how we can stay on the path. And what he says here, he tells us some things. First of all, he gives us a word to mature believers here in John. These are mature believers, those who are pillars and leaders in the church, mentors, long-term believers, mature both in years and in faith. They're responsible. And he said, I write to you fathers. And he could have said also mothers, because there is no male nor female. Come on. Those of you who are seasoned, why? Because you have known him who is from the beginning. And what is he telling us here, those who are mature Christians? Here's what he's saying to you. He's saying, now that you know, do as I am doing right now and pass along what you know to others. Begin to mentor others, young people. All right? It's not about just retiring and going off into the sunset. Come on. But it's about passing along some things that you know to bring others up so that they may not necessarily have to go through everything you went through. Now, they can be hard-headed. You can't drag them along. You can only tell them. But it is your duty if you're going to live the way Jesus wants you to live. Now, don't forget, I'm talking about connecting this to abundant life. I'm talking about connecting this to uh, wholeness, wellness, prosperity, all of that. I'm talking about God's ways. Remember, his ways are high. We don't understand it. You think, oh, if I'm going to be financially set, well, then I just have to, you know, tithe and give, you know, uh, money and that's it. Well, God has a plan, and it's a whole life plan. He wants you to be successful in every area of your life. And so those of you who are seasoned, mature, mentor others. That doesn't mean you spend every waking moment 
worrying about young people because they will drive you crazy. My apologies to young people. (laughs) But what it does mean is when you have something to share, those wisdom moments like this grandfather, come on, take an opportunity. Mentor, bring them up, pour into their life. Pour into their life. John then talks to those who are growing believers. You see, those mature believers, for all of those growing believers, they're unselfish, they're faithful. You have to realize they're spirit-filled. They're truthful. They're going to be honest with you. Remember reading in John 1, he said, look, if you say you love Jesus, but you treat your brother bad, you're a liar. I'm just going to tell you like that. He doesn't hold back. And you've got to be able to accept that, growing believers. You've got to be able to accept it and be able to grow with that. They're also generous, and they persevere the long-suffering with you. And so for the growing believers, these are the young of age and not yet mature in faith. They do not know all the ways of the wicked one and how they'll need to overcome the wicked one and the world itself. John is writing to the spiritually young. He's saying to keep growing, stay alert. And when someone is trying to mentor you, when they're giving you nuggets of wisdom, grasp hold of those things. So you won't say like so many of us who say now, boy, I wish I would have listened when my father was trying to tell me this and that. When my pastor tried to tell me this, and I thought, well, he doesn't know the whole story. He, you know, he, he's never been through anything like this. When he was growing up, it, it wasn't the same. Now it's a different set of problems and all of that. I wish I would have listened. God didn't create you to say that. God created you to listen, to take advantage of others' mistakes. That's what he wants you to do. What's the point in all this? Well, I want to tell you something. We, there are some things, saints, come on, that we need to overcome. You are created to be an overcomer. That's what you were created. Everyone, every last one of you and me, all of us in here were created to overcome. We were not created to flail. We were not created to fail. We were not created to continue stumbling. We were not created for those things. But you were created to overcome. Now let me tell you this. There is an enemy. So you were not created that your life would just be smooth and you would never be tempted. I want to tell you that. What did I say? You're created to overcome. And in order to overcome, there has to be a stumbling block in front of you. That's what you were created for. To overcome. And you are empowered today to overcome, but you have to follow God's way. And I'm telling you, this discipleship plan that John is laying out at the behest of the Holy Spirit is God's way. Otherwise, you're like a hamster in a wheel. You see, where we are today is people want to go to college, get a degree, and automatically get the $100,000 job not have to come up through the company, not have to learn anything. You know, now sometimes that happens. I understand that. Sometimes that happens. 
But listen to me. People don't want to go through a process. I bet most folks in here never had home-cooked grits or home-cooked oatmeal. Yeah, put it in the pan, stir it up, instant oatmeal, right? Put it in your bowl, nuke it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you can't remember those. I'll tell you what, when we, we go out to dinner, maybe like after church, you know, like today or something, or we go out to dinner and... Uh, Man, my kids, if I say we're going to, you know, a restaurant, maybe a steakhouse or an Italian restaurant or something like that, oh, man, I'll never hear the end of it. Because you can't go in there and get right in line and get your food. You know, like the buffet. They want to go to Golden Corral and, and Ponderosa. Because I pay, come on, Dad, hurry up, let's go. If you got to sit and wait for your food for somebody to actually cook it with some care, you know, and bring it out to you, oh, my goodness. <laughs> But listen, the satisfaction that you get in life, I'm talking about, when you go through the process that God takes you through, come on, you are an overcomer. You see, those who, those who, I'm going to say something a little different, a different way of looking at this. Those who go through life and have some stumbling blocks, all right, have some things thrown their way, and maybe they fall once, get back up. They go through that same situation, they fall again, other people shake their head at you and just, you go through the same thing again, you know, and you fall. And finally, at some point, you learn and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Finally, you're, you're an overcomer. You're, now you're a conqueror. You've conquered that thing. All right, you're a conqueror. Thank you, no matter how long it took. Why don't you look at it this way, a little different perspective. I would venture to say that if you're a person that sees you know, Pastor Mike go through something where he made some mistakes and you saw what hurt and pain it caused him and you say to yourself, guess what? I'm not going to go through that. I'm going a different way. Guess what? You are more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror now. See, more than a conqueror is not conquering something 27 times. More than a conqueror is seeing somebody else make that mistake and not do it. Come on. God has laid out some ways for us. What I'm talking about, this idea of overcome, is to face powerful foes, death, temptation, persecution, and carry off the victory over all enemies. This is overcoming. Matthew 13, 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then is he who received the seed by the wayside. Receive the seed and allow it to take root in you. Come on. Receive it and allow it to take root. Mull on it. Think about it. Go over it and over it in your head. What does this mean? Study it. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Observe to do all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way successful and prosperous. He's laid out a way for us, folks. John gives us a word of caution against loving the world. Now let me tell you a little something about this when, when he says don't love the world. I'm talking about the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and what? Pride of life, right? 
Here's what John is talking about, this idea of love, when he says don't love the world. That means to know something is of the world, to know something is not the right way to do it, and to do it anyway. I mean, I could ask for hands, and we probably would all raise our hands. There's been instances in our lives where we knew something was the wrong thing to do, and we did it anyway. This is called loving the world. That's what he's talking about. Don't love the world. He's not just talking about don't make mistakes. Come on. We make some mistakes. We do stumble and we fall. But he's saying don't love the world. 1 John 2.15 says do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, here's, here's John, the father, the grandfather. Come on. The love of the father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is just simply not in you. Another version says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. You cannot allow it in. Another scripture says, give no place to the devil. Do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. John's words, not mine. Come on. If you love the world, you can't, you can't have both. See, we want to mix it together. Too much mixing nowadays. Too much mixing together. That's what we want to do. We want to have some righteousness. We want to have a little of the world. Have our cake and eat it too. Have both sides of the same coin. You can't have it. And here's, here's what's so, to me, I'll just be like, I'm not as old as John, but I'll just be like John. What's so stupid about it? What's so stupid and ignorant about that thought process, and come on, I've had it, so I'm not, I'm not throwing stones. Live in a glass house, don't throw stones, come on. But what's so ignorant, dumb, and stupid about that way of thinking, come on now, is this. God's ways and his plan and his life has way more happiness, joy, money, I'm talking about prosperity, health. Come on now. Beautiful, wonderful relationships, satisfaction, pleasure than you would ever want or you could ever ask for. He is able to do exceeding abundantly. He exceeds abundance above all that you can ask or think. How stupid and dumb is it to then chase after the ways of the world because you see somebody else with a nice car or a nice job? A form of godliness. Come on. God is talking to us this morning. I know he's talking to me. Say, how long are you going to be the hamster in the wheel? <laughs> Here's what it is. How do we do this? How do we follow God's ways? Well, I want to tell you something. If, you, if you've ever struggled with this, struggled with following the ways, and you, know, you keep stumbling over and over, there is uh, a word from the Lord for you today. God is speaking to you saying that you've tried to do it on your own. You've, you've got up and you said, I'm just going to love the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm, a, I'm going to follow the Spirit. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to be good to people. I'm going to do these things. And you've, you've tried in your own might to do these things. And you failed miserably at times. 
Here is the reason. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It is the anointing of God that allows us to overcome and walk in his ways and not stumble and not fail. 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That's a strong statement, folks. You have the anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. What are you looking for? We're looking for outside sources. We're looking for more sermons. We're looking for more self-help things to help us get on the right track, help us with the right diet and the right frame of mind. And God is telling you that you already have the Holy One living in you. You already have the one that created the universe in you. What is he saying? You have the power to overcome. You have the gift that the Holy One gave you. So you know all truth. I'll tell you what that does. It does two things. One is it encourages me to know that, yes, I have the power to overcome. I have the power to live an abundant, successful life. We have the power to be a fruitful, flourishing thriving local church that's getting people saved, getting people connected. Come on in, getting people into the kingdom of God. We have the power to do it. The other side of that coin is there are no excuses. Come on now. I'm talking to Michael. There are no excuses now because you have the Holy One and you know the truth. You know all things. So who are you going to turn to when God says, why didn't you do it? When you go to stand before the Lord, and I have every confidence that you will, when you go to stand before him on that great day, and God looks at you and you present yourself because you've made it through life, and you're an overcomer, and you read your scripture, and you prayed, and you've gone to church every Sunday except for that one Sunday in 14, and you've done all you can do. And God kind of moves you out of the way a little bit and says, where's the fruit? What excuse will you have? He's going to say, well, who did you disciple? Well, I was, I was, you know, I was really busy doing church stuff. Okay. Well, who did, you, who did you mentor every once in a while? Well, it just wasn't a lot of time. Well, who did you speak into anybody's life at all? Did you, did you tell anybody? Did you give them any wisdom at all? Well, no, Lord. I was so worried about me getting in that I didn't have time. Hmm. Your purpose is to not only overcome, but this discipleship thing is the way that God has set it up from the beginning. Why do you think that the kings, in order to be the next king, you had to be part of the family line. This was, this was a, a, a fleshly outward show of what God is doing spiritually. Bring them up. Bring them up in the family. Come up in church. Get discipled in church and come up that way. See, you know, just looking back at it, I'm not, I'm not bragging on our church or anything like that, you know. But when I look at the way God 
chose to do transition through us. I, I so now especially realize how much that was the right way. So much how it was the right way to do it. Listen, I'm not against, uh, you know, if, if there's a church out there and they have to call somebody in from outside because the pastor left or whatever. We've seen that. I've seen it tons of times. If that's what has to happen, I understand that. I want to tell you, though, it's not God's way. His way is to bring them up. Be taught. Right? Mature. And when the fullness of time comes. Listen, this is the way Jesus was brought up when he was on earth. How can we think we have a different way to do things than what Jesus did? He was a boy. He learned. He was brought up. He was disciplined. And when the fullness of time came, he was filled with the Spirit and went about his ministry, folks. God is telling us today, do not suppress the Spirit. Don't stifle. Don't quench. The Spirit of God. Don't quench the Spirit working in your life because it's the only way that you're going to be able to overcome in your life. It's the only way that you're going to be able to walk in these ways that God has laid out for us. God has laid out this way of discipleship, of mentoring. You want to be successful. You want to be prosperous. Come on. Abundant life. Follow the ways that God has laid out. Be a mentor, be mentored. Come on. I'm at a unique place in my life right now where uh, I, I, feel, uh, I feel it's a very unique place where I am at a point where I am able to mentor. You know, now not just being a pastor, but just being at the point in my life that I'm at. I'm able to then look back and, uh, you know, look at young men and, and young women and, and uh, be able to mentor and say, listen, here's some mistakes I've made in the Lord spiritually. Here's some practical mistakes I've made. Here's some things that I don't know how, I, but I did it right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, let me, let, me, let me just speak into your life. And so I'm at a point where I can do that. But I'm still, I'm also at a point where I'm not where John is, and so I can still look to those, come on, and be mentored so I can take in and give out all at the same time. It's a unique position to be in. But it's God's way. It's God's way to do things. And I'm going to tell you something else. We've got to stop mixing the world with the word. It doesn't, it doesn't work. We just can't do it. I, not that I can speak for everybody, but we've all done it. Come on. And we've got to stop doing it. I'm talking about the ways of God and the way that we should do things. This has to be first. You know, the world would say, listen, if you want to be prosperous, then you've got to think about self. That's what the world teaches us. Think about getting on an airplane, and if they say if the, if, the ca- if the cabin loses pressure and the oxygen masks come down, the first thing you need to do is place one on yourself, and then if there's somebody else you can help, place one on them. That's the absolute right thing to do. But my point is, the, that's all the world teaches in every part of life. Every part of life is worry about yourself, think about yourself first, and then... If you have something left over, you can help somebody else. It makes sense. I mean, how can you help others if you don't have something to help them with? Makes sense to me. 
But that's not God's way. Then you would say, okay, God's way must be help others first, then help myself. Because if I can help others, I'm being uh, selfless and not self-centered. Well, I want to blow your bubble. That's not exactly God's way either. Now, some would say, okay, now you got my attention. I know you're falling asleep there. Do I have your attention now? Don't help others first and don't help yourself first. You know what you need to focus on first? Is the Lord. It's got to be first before others and especially before yourself. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Joy, huh? Come on. It's got to be that way. And as long as we continue to mix the world in with the word, as long as we continue to go to church every Sunday, even read our Bible, pray, but mix in the world, we'll continue to be a hamster in a wheel. I was thinking about a story. Of I heard this story of Paul Harvey. Some of you know Paul Harvey, the Paul Harvey Show. Young people don't remember because he's off the air now, I think. Uh, his son, I think, took over. But he told a story one time about how the men used to kill Alaskan wolves. What they would do is they would take a knife, big knife or knives, and they would, they would dip them in blood. Then they would freeze that blood on there. Then they would dip it in the blood again, freeze the blood on there again. They would do this a few times, so it was really packed with blood. Then they would take those knives out in the snow, put it in the snow, handle down. And so then the the wolves would come along, and they would smell that blood. And they would draw them to the knives, and they would go over to the knives, and they would start licking the knives. And though they realized it was a knife, the more they licked the knife, the blood began to unfreeze and it drew them even more. They were captivated with the blood. And so they continued licking the knife until the knife cut them so bad that they would bleed to death. I told you that's kind of a graphic story. I want you to think about that in your mind. Here's why I told that story. Because if you continue to mix the world with the word, you're licking a knife. It's exactly what you're doing without realizing it. There's something about it that draws you to it. Just can't help it, but be drawn to it. But what you're doing is just like those wolves, you're licking a knife. And others look at you and say, why? Are you licking that knife? And you say, you don't know what you're talking about. Because your heart is hardened. If you're a person who can mentor, mentor that to someone. And here's why I say that. Because, listen, time is short. And to me, just like John here, that's why I chose to do this series he was at a point in his life where he's, he's saying, I don't have time to, 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 to you know, to, to hold punches. I don't have time to, tell, to sugarcoat it, okay? I'm going to have to give it to you right between the eyes. But here's the good news about all of that is that what he's given to us is for life. And that's what I'm telling you this morning. Listen, believe me, I didn't sit up last night, you know, thinking of ways I could just make you mad <laughs> or get you upset. 
I mean, I was upset enough, you know, with the Pacers. But anyway, uh, no, but what John is trying to tell us here, it's really an easy road to go. Because Jesus said, my yoke is what? And my burdens are, if you would do what I ask you to do, Jesus is saying, follow these ways, you would realize that you are empowered to overcome. Here's, Here's what it is today. Here's what it is. What you and I have to do is simply one thing. Realize who we already are. Don't try to be somebody else. You're looking for someone. I need to, oh, I need to turn. I need to, you need to realize who you already are. God's already given it to you. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. No matter how old, no matter how young, you are a woman of God. A man of integrity, of character. You know all things. You have the Holy One living in you. God is saying to us, Michael and the congregation, act like it. Stand up. Take your mantle. Be who God has called you to be. Amen? Amen.